and people are enjoying the long weekend away as well. Hope you're having, hope your summer was great and you're ready for the fall season. Shall we just say a word of prayer before we look into God's word? Father, we thank you and we praise you for this time in your presence and we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us. Lord, we pray, Lord God, that your word would come to us, Lord, to change us and transform us, Lord. Thank you, O God, for each one here, and I thank you for the purposes that you want to accomplish in our lives this morning. So we commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're coming close to an end in this series in the book of Psalms, and we've been studying various Psalms throughout the summertime, and we've been looking at things that are a little encouraging and a blessing, and we've looked at some things that are a little bit dark as well, too, things that are a little bit dreary that we see in the book of Psalms. And we find in the book of Psalms such a mixture of emotions uh, uh, that the psalmist expresses to God, mixture of emotions that are are good and encouraging and praiseworthy and joyful and rejoicing. But then there are other times when the psalmist is questioning God and asking why and saying all sorts of things that cause us to ponder and, and try to figure out why is he doing this. And so this, uh, this morning, I just wanted to deal with the topic of depression. So that's the title, Dealing with Depression. And I know that's probably not the, the best thing that you wanted to hear when you came on, on a Sunday morning, but I think it's a reality that we have to address as well. And many times we take depression very lightly. Uh, maybe we just say, oh, it's a lack of faith. It's not trusting in God. It's, you know, just rejoice in the Lord and everything will be okay. Um, But the truth is that many people suffer from depression and many Christians suffer from depression. And sometimes we go through things like that and we don't even want to admit it because it maybe brings a little bit of shame to ourselves. Uh, Sometimes we don't even want to acknowledge it. Uh, We put up barriers. Some people that that don't struggle with depression, maybe they often don't understand the pain and the, the hopelessness, the grief, the sadness that depressed people feel. And maybe they just think, oh, just just pick up yourself and just praise God. Everything will be okay. Trust in the promises of God. God is for you. And sometimes it's not as simple as that. And so uh, in dealing with this topic, I want to be very understanding and compassionate as well to people that are facing this uh, on a daily basis, people that have a struggle with this in a very real sense. And maybe you're here today and maybe you're thinking, oh, but, you know, this doesn't really have to do with me. Maybe something you might hear today might help you to be a blessing to somebody going through a difficult time as well. And depression can, can be caused in so many different ways. It could be spiritually induced, maybe because of guilt or sin, uh, hurting others, failing the will of God, uh, fear, meaninglessness. Low self-esteem, some of these things can cause us to become depressed. It could be physically also induced, maybe because of exhaustion, diet, exercise, chemical imbalances, different things like that have an effect. Um, It also could be situational, depending on what we're going through at the current time. Maybe we are facing a tragedy, maybe we faced a tragedy in our childhood and only now we're facing some of those problems. Uh, A loss of a loved one, uh, health problems. Uh, job loss, money problems, abuse in the family, so many different things that could bring upon a time of depression in our lives. And uh, we can see various symptoms as well of depression, sadness, loss of interest, uh, sleep disturbances, morbid thoughts, desire to, to die. 
And there's so many different things. This, this is such a large topic. I'm not going to do justice in it in one, in one message this, this morning. Uh, and it's such a complex topic as well because there's such varying degrees of depression as well. And we might go through certain types of depression and maybe other people might go through something worse or maybe even something less. Um, I want to tell you off the bat that if you're going through a type of depression that you feel is ongoing, I really want to encourage you to get some uh, help from a, from a counselor. We have some counselors that, uh, that are in our office, and they'd be happy to meet with you and, and try to help you along as well. You can get that information from our, from our website or see one of us if, if you feel like this is something that's a really big problem that's ongoing in, uh, in your life. And it, it's a real problem in the world today. The, the Ontario Ministry of Health says that one in four Canadians have a level of depression serious enough to require treatment at some point in in their lives. Um, The Center for Addiction and Mental Health say that about 4,000 Canadians die by suicide each year, and 34% of Ontario high school students indicate a moderate to serious level of psychological distress, symptoms of anxiety and depression. So this is a very real real issue. It's a very real problem that we should be aware of. Um, And even in the world today, there are some very famous people, actually, that go through, through depression. People like the Canadian actor Jim Carrey, uh, uh, Ellen DeGeneres, J.K. Rowling, um, Howie Mandel, Michael Phelps, the, the Olympic athlete. All these people have gone through various levels of, of depression. In the Bible, we see various people as well that have gone through what looks like times of depression. Now, again, it's hard to diagnose so many you know, thousands of years later, but looking at some of their experiences like David and Jonah, Jeremiah, Job, Elijah, all of these people faced a level of grief, sorrow, hopelessness, depression um, in their lives. Uh, The great apostle Paul as well, we can see in some of the things that he went through, we can say that maybe he went through times of depression. He says that at various places in his, in his letters, he says his flesh had no uh, rest. He was troubled on every side. He was cast down, fears within. He, he even, at one point, Paul even says that he despaired of life. And so it's something that we can see that even great men of God, people that are walking with God, people that have, that are experiencing God, they go through times like this. The, Famous American president Abraham Lincoln said, I am now the most, at one point in his life he said this, I am now the most miserable man living. If what I feel were equally distributed to the whole human family, there would be not one cheerful face on earth. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. See the, the, the heartache that he was going through. The great poet William Cowper, who, who wrote so many hymns with John Newton, suffered, throughout, uh, suffered with depression throughout his life. And he had real problems. Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, okay, he's known as the Prince of Preachers. He had a huge church in London, uh, uh, England many, many years ago, and and, uh, people still refer to his messages and talk about Charles Spurgeon. He said, despondency is not a virtue. I believe it is a vice. I am heartily ashamed of myself for falling into it, but I'm sure there's no remedy for it like a holy faith in God. We'll, we'll get back to Charles Spurgeon a little bit later at the, at the end of this message. But what I'd like to look at now, again, depression is such a broad topic and has such a wide ranging, um, levels of, of, uh, of depression there out there. So I just want to look at Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 and just go through a little bit of what the psalmist experienced in his depression and see how he worked things out through this uh, experience. Now, Psalm 42 and 43, they're two psalms, but actually, more than likely, it was probably originally just one psalm. 
Uh, many Hebrew manus- manuscripts actually don't even separate Psalm 42 and 43. They just have it together. And it's basically a hymn with three stanzas and a repeated chorus. Now, the chorus you can find in uh, Psalm 42, verse 5, verse 11. And then again, it's repeated in Psalm 43 and verse 5. And the chorus is basically, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is the chorus, we can say. And then there's three stanzas uh, that go along with this. And this, this psalm was written out of intense sadness, grief, pain, probably composed by someone going through depression. But one thing I'd like to point out just before we start into this, it's interesting to note, and, and we'll see this as we go through the psalm, that um, this experience, this depression that this psalmist was going through, was not detrimental to his spiritual life. It wasn't detrimental to his spirituality. Quite the contrary. Instead, and we'll see this as we go through the psalm, it was a catalyst. It was a, a motivator in actually causing spiritual growth, causing him to go to God. So his depression didn't, wasn't the downfall of him. His depression didn't ruin him. But this experience of going through this depression actually motivated him and was a catalyst to even a greater spiritual growth. We'll see this a little bit later on as well. So in these these Psalms, I just want to split this up, okay? So the the first verse or the first stanza is a lament from verses one to four. And then you got the chorus, right, which we already read. Then you go to the plea, which is from verses 6 to 10. And then you go back to the chorus. Then you go to the prayer, which is now Psalm 43, verses 1 to 4. And then you end off with the chorus. So it's like a hymn, okay? Verse 1, chorus. Verse 2, chorus. Verse 3, chorus. So when we examine this, actually in the, in, in the chorus, which we read... It's actually split into two, which we can see. The first part is the cause of his depression. He's trying to figure out why is he depressed. And that's why he says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And the second is the response to this experience. And he says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So starting with this lament, okay, the first the first. Uh, stanza, verses 1 to 4. We read the whole psalm already, so I'm not going to go take time to read through the whole thing. But here we see various causes of, of his depression. And number one is that he was unsatisfied. Right? He was unsatisfied. The, the psalm starts out with, As the deer pants for the water, so, so my soul longs after you. I'm thirsting after you. I want you, O oh God. But he's not being satisfied. There's a longing. There's a thirst. He wants God. But he can't find him. He says, I remember when I went to the house of God, how satisfied I was, how great it was, how wonderful it was. We rejoiced. We had amazing time in the presence of God. But I'm longing. I'm thirsting. He compares it to a deer that's going and looking for water but can't quench his thirst. He tries, but to no avail. And depression sets in. He says, why are you cast down? Oh, my soul. He realizes that his soul is cast down. Number two, he was lonely or isolated. He says that his companion was his tears. He was crying day and night. He didn't have any other companion other than his tears. And people were mocking him and saying, where is your God? Maybe we've gone through experiences like this as well. That we long after God, but we don't feel satisfied. Maybe we've gone through these experiences of of loneliness, of isolation. 
And people say, well, you've been walking with God all these years. You're serving God. Where is your God in this situation? We looked at this some weeks ago when we were studying Psalm 73, I believe it was. And so in this, in this loneliness or isolation, this psalm is, is feeling depressed. You know, as, as believers in God, for those of you who know Christ as, as your Savior, when we feel like, when, when we get depressed, we automatic connect, automatically connect it to, God has left me. Where is God in my situation? He's supposed to be here to help me. And then everything in the Christian life becomes difficult. Prayer becomes difficult. Joy becomes difficult. Peace becomes difficult. Rejoicing becomes difficult. It all just seems unreachable. But we must realize that there's a difference between feeling forsaken by God and actually being forsaken. They're two totally different things. We might feel like we're forsaken by God, like the psalmist is saying here, God, where are you? But it's not that he was forsaken by God. And there's a difference. And again, this depression could have been caused by various factors, sin, guilt, physical factors, circumstances. Nevertheless, at this point in, in the psalmist's life, at the beginning of this psalm, it's hard for him to feel close to God. It's hard for him to sing and rejoice, hallelujah. It's difficult here. Now, as we go on, we'll see how things start to change. Right? He doesn't have any friends to confide in. Rather, people were mocking him. Where is your God? Facing loneliness. It wasn't easy. Because he remembers before how he would go to the house of God. It was so easy. When I went to the house of God with my friends, oh, I could praise God. I could worship. It was so easy to feel the presence of God. But now I'm so lonely. I'm so isolated. How do I feel God now? He talked about going and worshiping God and remembering those experiences. But he didn't have any emotional support at this time. Number three, he lived in the past. In verse four, he remembers the good times. He remembers the house of God. He remembers the rejoicing. He Possibly he could have been one of the Levites, maybe. One of the Levites that uh, were one of the singers or the musicians at the time. Maybe because of some of the laws that were enacted, he was not able to come down to Jerusalem to celebrate in the temple. Could have been at the time when they were carried away into captivity to Babylon and he couldn't come back to the temple in Jerusalem. And so he's remembering the good times that he had in the temple and now he can't experience any of those things. Are we like that? In essence, it's like being homesick. You know, this weekend, some people are going off to university, going away from school. And do you remember the first time that you had to be away from your parents? The first time maybe that you went away to school and the homesickness maybe that you felt, right? Being away from your family for the very first time. And, and this is how the psalmist felt at this time. He, he, he was living in the past thinking about, oh, I remember those good times. And possibly he was feeling homesick. Now, this can work both ways. The psalmist can remember things and praise God, but I think in this situation, we'll look at this again later on when we get to the chorus, but I think in this situation, he's remembering the past and it brings sadness to him. He's remembering the past and that discourages him. And so then we get to the, so after the first four verses, the first stanza, then we get to the chorus, which we'll deal with at the end, but then we get to the second stanza, the plea. He starts to plead to God, right? So after... After the, the first chorus, he, in verse 6, he actually states in verse 6, My soul is downcast within me. So the beginning of this plea starts off with this acknowledgement. Now this is huge. This is really important because he acknowledges his state. And sad to say, many people can't come to this realization and can't say, My soul is downcast. Many people going through depression can't come to this first step of getting help. Because they're not able to acknowledge that they need help. 
And if you're in this situation today, I just want to encourage you to talk to somebody. Sadly, sometimes when people go through depression, they find other ways to escape. Drugs, alcohol, unhealthy relationships, other uh, pleasures and enjoyments. Sometimes they try to to hide from other people and put up walls so that people can't come into their lives and, and figure out what's going on. Sometimes they'll, if people realize that, you know, their friend is not doing well, that person might give a secondary reason. Oh, it's because of this. But not really getting at the root of the problem. They just deflect and talk about something else. But here the psalmist asks the hard question. And he says, my soul is downcast. And in the chorus, he keeps repeating, why are you downcast? Oh, my soul, why are you depressed? He's lonely. He's homesick. He's far away from God. And maybe that resonates with you today. But here are two more things that we see in verse, um, in in the second stanza, right, in, in Psalm 42, is that he was overwhelmed. Right? So it's not only that he was unsatisfied, he was lonely or isolated, he lived in the past, but he also was overwhelmed. He talks about uh, the being overwhelmed by, by the waves rushing upon him. It was too much for him to handle. He talks about how waves have swept over me. You know, when people go through a time of depression, it just feels like it's one bad thing after another thing. It just goes from bad to worse, one sorrow after another sorrow. Sometimes uh, people express themselves by saying, I'm being drowned by my circumstance. There's just so many negative things one after the other. There's no hope. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. It's just one thing after another. And so as we're progressing through the psalm, we're, we're seeing the psalmist talk about all of these things, all of these aspects in his life that is causing him to be depressed, all these difficulties that he's facing. But here's the secret. Here's the glimpse. As he's working through these things, as he's talking to God, as he's expressing his heart to God, as we, we call this series expressing our emotions to God, as the psalmist is expressing his emotions to God, as he's talking to God, as he's telling him about all of these things, he acknowledges in, in Psalm 42 and verse 8, he says, by day the Lord directs his love at night his song is, is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Now this verse just comes totally out of the blue. He's just talking about one negative thing after another negative thing, this bad thing after that bad thing, and then totally out of the blue he says, by day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Totally out of the blue it just comes out. Like that, because as the psalmist is working through his depression, and as he's saying, I'm going through all of these difficulties, it's so paradoxical. Because in the next verse, he actually says that he was rejected, he was forsaken. That's number five. He felt rejected, he felt forsaken. It's, it's really interesting, because in verse nine, it says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? He acknowledges, God, you are my rock. I stand upon you. I trust in you. You are unfailing. Nothing can shake if I'm on top of you. But God, why have you forsaken me? Can you see how he's struggling through these things? Can you see how he's, he's praying to God? He's being honest. He's being very open to God. He's saying, God, this is my situation. I'm longing after you. I'm thirsting for you, but I can't find you. I remember the great things I used to experience, but I'm so depressed because nothing is working out for me. But still, God, you are my rock. But Lord, why have you forgotten me? Can you see the sincerity of his, of his plea to God? God, you are my rock. He's going through a depressing time from the beginning. But as he's lamenting before God in the first stanza and pleading with God in the second stanza, he's also acknowledging God's presence 
and God's help. He's making some progress. Psalm 61 in verse 2 says, From the ends of the earth I call to you. As I call, my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Remember what he said at the, remember what we said at the beginning of, of this, of this uh, psalm. That this depression that the psalmist was going through was not detrimental to his spiritual life, but it was a catalyst. It was a motivator for him to grow in his spiritual life. For him to grow in his spirituality. And we see this as he's working through these feelings, these emotions, these, these negative feelings, these dark feelings. He's working through all these things, but at the same time he's saying, God, you are my rock. Lord, in the nighttime, your song is with me. Lord, you direct your love to me. And he's working these emotions out. He's struggling. He's seeing this on one side, that on the other side. And he's trying to do all of these things. In the third stanza, Psalm 43, in verse 2, he says, God, you are my stronghold. Hallelujah. But Lord, why have you rejected me? Can you see the paradox between this? The contrast between this. He's acknowledging God. Yes, God, I know you are my stronghold. But Lord, why have you rejected me? In verse 10, he says his enemies taunt him. And he says, where is your God? These enemies say to him. But right after that, he says, God is my rock and the God of my life. We can see how he's complaining. He's distressing. He's agonizing. But he still remembers who God is. In the time of his depression, he's expressing it to God. God, see my situation, but Lord, I still know you're my stronghold. But remember, God, I'm still forsaken here, so I still need you to help me. Lord, you are my stronghold, but Lord, you're far away from me. There's this immense feeling of loss throughout this feeling of depression. You know, in the Great Depression in the 1930s, when the stock market crashed, the suicide rate went up. Because so many people lost so much of their money and their wealth. They couldn't, they didn't want to live anymore. There's such a great feeling of loss. And even today, there's, there's such a feeling of loss with depression. Sometimes children feel abandoned by their parents. Maybe a, a grieving widow feels, feels depressed because of a departed spouse. Friends and family moving far away. There's so many circumstances. There's so many things. There's not enough time to get into all of those things. Sometimes even when you're physically close, you could be emotionally apart. Sometimes even in a marriage, you're living in the same house, but you're miles apart emotionally. And it causes depression. But what, for the psalmist, in his case, he was feeling far away from God. For the psalmist, there could have been so many emotional and physical reasons for his depression. But because he was a spiritual person... It was manifested in a spiritual way in his longing for God. And so he asks, why are you downcast, my soul? Because like us, there's something that doesn't match up, right? Like us, we might say, Lord, I'm a believer in you, but why do I feel like this? Lord, I'm a believer in you, but what's happened to my faith? I'm a believer in you, but I thought, God, you would help me. And there's something that's not matching up for the psalmist. And maybe in our lives, there's something that's not matching up. Lord, I've confessed you as my Savior, but why is this happening to me? Lord, I know your presence is supposed to be with me, but I don't feel that in my life. Lord, your word says that you're near to the broken in heart. Lord, I'm broken in heart. Where are you? And this is what the psalmist was saying. God, you are my rock. God, you are my stronghold. But Lord, you are so far from me to the point that I feel that I am rejected by you. 
So he's working through these emotions. He's working through this depression. He's working through this, but he's still acknowledging God. And then we come to the final stanza, prayer. The prayer that he makes in Psalm 43. He opens by asking God to vindicate him, to reconcile the situation, to plead his cause. He pleads his cause to God. Verse 2 is actually just a repetition of verse 9, which we already saw. But then he gets to verse 3 and 4, which is so beautiful in his prayer. In verse 3 and 4 is what he's asking God to do. See what he says here. He says, Lord, send your light to bring me out of this dark pit. Lord, your faithful care to watch over me, provide for me, comfort me. God, I want to return to your holy mountain or to your presence, like in the days of old when we rejoiced in the house of God. Then he says, I'll go to the altar of God, to sacrifice to God, to do the will of God, to live for God. Then there will be joy. Then there will be delight and praise. But all of this is still waiting to see. And this would be coming out of his depression. So we see the lament that he starts out with. We see the plea that he pleads with God. And then he makes this beautiful prayer to God. We see this progression from this person at the very beginning that he can't even pray to God. And he's just complaining. But then at the end, he makes this beautiful prayer to God. And then Psalm 43 ends with this, with the chorus that says, Why you cast down hope in God. Now, I just want to move to the chorus now. In this chorus, we can see, we can learn a few things about responding to depression. And I just want to leave you with these, uh, uh, these four points here so that we can just understand how can we deal with depression. Now, there's so many other things that can be said and there's so many different levels of depression and so many different things of depression where there's so many ways. And if it's more complicated for you in your particular situation, again, I just want to encourage you to talk to somebody and try to get the needed help um, you know, for your life. But in a general sense, just from what the psalmist in this, in this particular occasion is going through, number one is that we need to confront our negative feelings. Sometimes we don't like to do this, but we need to confront those negative feelings, whether it's, whether it's loneliness, whether it's anger, whether it's depression, whatever it might be. Here the psalmist says to his own soul, he asks his own soul, he says, why are you downcast? Why are you disturbed? Why are you depressed? He tries to bring out some of those reasons in the stanzas that we looked at. He's trying to examine that. Don't be afraid to go deep instead of staying just superficial. Don't be afraid to seek out what is the root cause of the problem. Why am I suffering like this? Why am I going through this depression? Because a psalmist asks the question, soul, why are you downcast? What is your problem? What are you going through? And it takes humility for us to go and ask help from someone else, from a pastor, from a counselor. It takes humility for us to take that step. And instead of seeking other ways to maybe self-medicate, like as we mentioned before, there's so many other ways that people run to for escape. Let's deal with the problem. It takes courage to acknowledge that. Number two, talk to God. Even if it's negative, but let it be honest. Talk to God. While acknowledging that God was his rock, he said, but God, you have forgotten me. While acknowledging that, he was, that God was his stronghold, he still said, you have rejected me. He was expressing his feelings of being overwhelmed, lonely, forsaken, isolated, unsatisfied. He was talking to God about it. You know, William Blake wrote a poem, and, he, and the poem goes like this. I was angry with my friend, and I told, I told my wrath, my wrath did end. I was angry with my foe, I told it not, my wrath did grow. 
And so if we let this grow within us, and if we don't deal with it, it's not going to have a pretty end. And that's why we need to confront these negative emotions, these negative feelings, these things that maybe are stirring within our hearts. And parts of the song, the psalmist is distressed, and he's, he's discouraged, but he talks to God about it. On a side note, I just want to add a side note to this. Not just talk to God, but talk to yourself as well. That's what the psalmist is doing here. He's talking to himself. Instead of allowing his soul to talk to him and say, hey, psalmist, you know what's going on, man? I'm just low and gone. Where is God? And instead of allowing his soul to express his own pity party, he actually takes advantage and says, hold on, soul, listen to me. Why are you discouraged? Why are you downcast? And he tells his soul, hope in God, because he's your savior, right? Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great preacher and author in his book, Spiritual Depression, he says, we shouldn't allow our souls to talk to us, but we should talk to our soul, if that makes sense, right? Talk to yourself like the psalmist is talking, right? And say, soul, listen up, hope in God. Remember, he's your savior, right? Number three, remember the past. Now, we looked at this a little bit before, and we, we saw how he, in remembering the past, it brought depression to him. And remembering how it was in the house of God, he's, oh, I remember those days. And then he says, oh, I'm downcast when I think about that. But in the, stand, in, the, in, the, in the chorus, it seems like the chorus is a way to uplift himself by remembering the past. Because he says two things. He says, number one, put your hope in God. He had a reason to hope in God. Why could he say hope in God? It was probably because he had an experience before where he was in trouble And God delivered him. So now he's able to say again, hope in God. Hope in God. And also he says here, the Lord was his savior. It points to past experiences that he tries to encourage himself with. So remember the past in a good way. Remember the God that delivered you. Remember the God that saved you. Remember the God that helped you. Remember the God that provided for you. Remember the God that does everything well for you. Write it down, the goodness of God. Remember it, recite it, recall it, recount it, relish in it, because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And finally, number four, it might seem very simple, but it's what Psalm 43 is, and that's pray. Psalm 43 is a prayer. And maybe at the beginning of Psalm 42, he couldn't pray like this. Because he's, in, he's lamenting, he's pleading. He, uh, he was walking through, working through his emotions and his feelings and his situation, his depression, his hurt, his disappointment, his anger, his loneliness. He was working through all of these things. And so at the beginning in Psalm 42, he couldn't say this. But at the end, by Psalm 43, he's able to pray to God. And here's the, the, the secret lesson in this. There are varying degrees of depression But if you see how the psalmist concludes in Psalm 43, the experience that he's looking for from God is such an amazing experience. The experience that he's looking for from God, it says, send out your light, your faithful care. I'm coming to your holy mountain. I'm coming to the altar of God. Pure joy and delight and praise. He's able to have this great expectation from God because he's coming from the very depths of despair. And he could only experience these, these depths of God because he's coming from the opposite end. The intense thirst that he had at the beginning of the Psalms, of Psalm 42, this intense thirst that he's crying out to God is there because of the intense experience he's gone through. 
And sometimes because we don't go through these experiences, maybe we live such a shallow, common, or normal spiritual life. A shallow, common, or normal Christian life. Because we haven't gone through some of these depths of despair. We would never know God as our Savior unless we were bankrupt sinners. We would never know him as our healer if we were never sick. We would never know him as our deliverer if we were never in bondage. And the greater the bondage, the greater the deliverance. We would never know him as our provider if we were never in need. And the greater the need, the greater the provision when you see it come. We would never know God as the one that lifts up our head and encourages us if we never went through depressing or discouraging times. And the deeper that depression or discouragement, the greater the experience of the lifting up of our head. It's like Jesus, when he, he told that, the story, a woman came to wash his feet, and the Pharisee was there, and he was looking and condemning. And Jesus told the Pharisee a story. There's two people. One was forgiven a little amount. One was forgiven a lot. Who loved more? The Pharisee thought, and he said, well, the one that was forgiven the most loved the most. And if we can see the depths of despair sometimes that God takes us to, that God allows us to go through, maybe because he wants us to experience the intimacy of his love, to experience something so profound. Charles Spurgeon, coming back to him, the Prince of Preachers said, I dare say the greatest earthly blessing that God can give to any of us is health, with the exception of, do you know what his exception is? He said the greatest earthly blessing is health, with the exception of sickness. Affliction is the best bit of furniture in my house. It is the best book in a minister's library. He said, I am afraid that all the grace that I have got of my comfortable and easy times and happy hours might almost lie on a penny. But the good that I have received from my sorrows and pains and griefs is altogether incalculable. In your sorrow, in your grief, in your depression, don't let that go to waste. But let it be a catalyst, a motivator for you to seek God even more. For you to enjoy the depths of God's love. The depths of his intimacy and his riches of grace that he has for us. Spurgeon also said, the depression, because he, he suffered with depression throughout his life. But he was a great encourager, he was a great pastor. He did so much, but he said, this depression comes over me whenever the Lord is preparing a larger blessing for my ministry. The cloud is black before it breaks and overshadows before it yields its deluge of mercy. Depression has now become to me as a prophet in rough clothing, a John the Baptist heralding the nearer coming of my Lord's richer benison or blessing. He realized that. He went through such times, Charles Spurgeon went through such times of depression, such low times where he struggled. But he found the intimacy of knowing Christ because he fellowshiped with him. He went from such depths of despair to such times of encouragement. I just want to close by telling you the story of this man, David Brainerd. He was born in 1718 and he died of uh, tuberculosis at the age of 29. And uh, he entered Yale to study for the ministry, but he was kicked out because he had some harsh words to say about other people, and so they kicked him out of, out of Yale. 
And from there, he went to be a missionary to the Indians for four years. His life was not well known until Jonathan Edwards actually uh, published his diary. Now, this was pretty personal information, but he published his diary. That testament to Brainerd became the inspiration and the catalyst to the modern missionary movement. By inspiring people like John Wesley, Henry Martin, William Carey, David Livingston, Jim Elliott, just to name a few, of some of the greatest missionaries that took the gospel all throughout, and they, would, they were inspired by the diary of David Brainerd. He didn't do a lot in his physical lifetime, but the legacy that he left behind through his diaries, the, he, he lives through so much depression. He constantly fought depression. He had so much difficulty in his life. He even suffered from suicidal thoughts. On Sunday, December 16th, 1744, he, uh, he wrote in his diary, was so overwhelmed with dejection that I knew not how to live. I longed for death exceedingly. My soul was sunk in deep waters and the floods were ready to drown me. I was so much oppressed that my soul was in a kind of horror. He struggled greatly in the depths of depression, but he strived to fulfill the will of God and spread the gospel. He said, when I really enjoy God, I feel my desires of him the more insatiable and my thirstings after holiness the more unquenchable. Oh, for more of God in my soul. Oh, this pleasing pain. Interesting words that he uses. Oh, this pleasing pain. It makes my soul press after God. Oh, that I might not loiter on my heavenly journey. Oh, that I might not loiter on my heavenly journey. Dear people of God, friends, I don't know what situation that you're in here today. Maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe there's some grief. Maybe there's some depression. Maybe there's some agony. Whatever it might be that you're facing, I want to tell you today that there's hope in God. But don't let that emotion, don't let those feelings, what you're going through, just bog you down. But let it be a catalyst to run after God. Run after Him with all your heart. Seek after Him with all your heart. Oswald J. Smith the founding pastor of the People's Church here in Toronto, paid tribute to David Brainerd with these words. He says, I was so, so greatly was I influenced by the life of David Brainerd. Remember, this guy went through so much depression most of his life. He says, I was so influenced by the life of David Brainerd in the early years of my ministry that I, was, that I named my youngest son after him. When I was but 18 years of age, I found myself 3,000 miles from home, a missionary to the Indians. No wonder I love Brainerd. Brainerd was, Brainerd it was who taught me to fast and pray. I learned that greater things could be wrought by daily contact with God than by preaching. When I feel myself growing cold, I turn to Brainerd and he always warms my heart. No man ever had a greater passion for souls. To live holy for God was his one great aim and ambition. He used those depressing times. He used those experiences to be a catalyst for serving God. John Piper, I'll just close with this quote. John Piper said of David Brainerd, I thank God for the ministry of David Brainerd in my own life. The passion for prayer, the spiritual feast of fasting, the sweetness of the word of God, the unremitting perseverance through hardship, the relentless focus on the glory of God, the utter dependence on grace, the final resting in the righteousness of Christ, 
the pursuit of perishing sinners, the holiness while suffering, the fixing the mind on what is eternal, and the finishing well without cursing the disease that cut him down at 29. Whatever situation you're in today, please know that God wants to use that experience to draw you closer to him so you can know the depths of his love. He wants to raise you up from that pit so you can rejoice with him. God bless you.